What is up? It is a mid-January edition of the Splash Act podcast. It is we're a couple days removed from the blockbuster James Harden trade, uh, where James Harden got traded to the Nets along with a lot of other moves. And I haven't quite had the chance to talk about it uh, in depth. And so now I'm joined by uh, multiple-time guests of the podcast and basically the the most loyal Rockets fan I know. I'm now joined by Jason. How you doing, man? <laughs> Hey Matt, it's, uh, it's been a minute. It's been a while. I, I think last time we we were potting was in the summertime, and a lot has changed, and yet a lot of things are still the same. So, glad to yeah. uh, all the news that's been happening recently. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. So, um, with with regards to the big elephant in the room, um, you're one of you're, you're probably the most like. A lot of people I knew kind of were attached to the Rockets just because of James Harden, Daryl Morey, even like Yao Ming, right? But you, you seem you of all my friends that are Rockets fans, you are like a true Rockets fan. So tell me, like, what what is your first gut reaction when you see? Because you guys knew the writing was on the wall, but what is your first reaction when you see James Harden is being traded to the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, I think they it was well known that going to come. It, it was not an if, it was more of a win. Uh, I think it was pretty evident just from the first. So to, to backtrack, right before he got traded, the Rockets lost two straight at home to the Lakers, and it wasn't even close. And I, yeah. I remember um, the night before, LeBron just just was fully dominant, you know, from tip-off to uh, – the, the end of the end of the game it was seemed like the Lakers are in complete control there's nothing the Rockets have, could have done the Rockets were in full strength you know James Harden John Wall Christian Wood Boogie Cousins etc the whole team was 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 healthy and playing and the Lakers just you know were dominating it was it was um like a schlacken it's kind of like when you play against your big brother and the big brothers, just like no matter what tricks you have up your sleeve, the big brothers always in, tr- in control. Um, it was the same game where this is probably if LeBron wins MVP, he, they're going to replay that clip where he shoots the three, turns around and says bet to uh, Ben Schroeder, Schroeder, and you know that that really was like okay, it's something's got to give. Like you know James Harden's got to be out for a while or just uh, and then his comments after that. I think what really shook it was inside the locker room, um, everyone just was very uncomfortable. Right, it was just one of those things where. It's an awkwardness in, in the team, and it's just really there, – there's nothing could really change um, to, to reconcile that. And then uh, you find out right after that, I think the next day, that you know, Harden is traded um, to, to Brooklyn. So it, I, I was more like, okay, interested to see what type of package they would get back. I think really what came down to it was whether or not they would trade for immediate help with Ben Simmons or whether or not they would basically – take a, a full reboot in terms of leveraging another team's future uh, for the haul that they get uh, for James Harden. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously it got incredibly ugly. Like, you know, it's business play on his side where he's trying to force his way out and, and trying to make it as uncomfortable as possible. But, yeah, man, like seeing some of those postgame interviews from everybody, from James Harden to, to Marcus Cousins to – to John Wall, it, it got really uncomfortable, like me just viewing some of the snippets of those interviews. And obviously, you know, they, they quickly handled it and, and got a deal done. I'm glad you brought up Ben Simmons because 
it seemed as though the main two, I mean, it's well known the main two um, offers were coming from the Sixers and the Nets. What were you, were you more on the side of let's get all these young dudes and or picks from the Nets or were you more of along the lines of let's, let's get someone who we know is an all-star now and can potentially be a top whatever player in the NBA. Right. So in my mind, obviously, I really want the known commodity versus, you know, leveraging potential draft picks because it really depends on where the draft picks end up, right? If it just becomes uh, rocket kit, you know, four mid-round draft picks barely in the lottery, maybe outside the lottery, then it's like, well, it's, you just, it's kind of like getting scratch off tickets. You're just kind of, you're just hoping like, okay, maybe it's a <laughs> So usually yeah. I would contend, you know, you want to get the best player out of the trade. Although I think this is a unique situation with Ben Simmons because he's such a unique player that it's not a very, you can plug this guy in and he works with a lot of variety in terms of the, the pieces around him. He needs, you know, good shooting. He brings a lot to the defensive end, but again, he's not the guy at the very end of the game that's going to take the last shot. He's going to be the one setting up everyone else. So I think what it really came down to it was just, you want Ben Simmons, but you also want picks too, because you want you want it both ways. Because you know, even though he's on a team-friendly contract, um, relatively so for for his age and you know what he already made an All NBA team, um, you've got him for maybe another two or three seasons. You don't know what the future landscape is going to look like for the next two three seasons, right? So, I I was okay with it, um, knowing that those were like the final two options. What have I liked? The Rockets trading for, you know, another centerpiece piece other than either Karis Lovert or Victor Oladipo. Maybe, like, I was really pushing for if they could somehow find a way to trade for Zion or Brandon Ingram. But it wasn't, like, you know, the, the Rockets. That, that was really in consideration on Amon James Harden's um, top uh, team options in terms of destinations for him. But more of, like, an alpha type of centerpiece other than Ben Simmons. Because I just don't think he's he's a very easy player to build around. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think had, you know, he not kind of had like a preferred list of destinations and hadn't, you know, kind of tanked the, those final few weeks in, in H town. I, I do feel as though like Ingram, I, I feel, I guess I'd say that to say, I feel like if, if he had given off the vibe of, I want to win, I'm going to be professional. I'm not, you know, you should, don't need to worry about any locker room issues or whatnot. I feel like New Orleans could have been a – I said this before on a podcast with someone else. So I thought New Orleans was like a sneaky bidder for, for James Harden. Um, and, and in that sense, you know, I do think you could have gotten like a Zion – or not a Zion. I think Ingram – you could have gotten like an Ingram, Lonzo, Bledsoe, I don't know, Kira Lewis. I don't know. The, the, the Pelicans have a, a treasure trove of assets. But um, it – and I'm curious what you think about this. It sounded to me like there were a couple of things working against Philadelphia. One was that they were not really willing to part with any picks and or young assets past a certain point. So I heard that once they asked Tyrese, Ma once Houston asked for Tyrese Maxey, it was like, nah, we're not, we're not going to be able to do it. But I also heard that um, Tillman Fertitta just didn't want to do with Daryl Morey. I'm curious kind of what your take on that is, because I personally am of the belief that like, you just got to go for the best deal. Um, but sometimes, you know, like poor relationships, bad breakups, like they can get in the way. Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of both. I think Houston was asking for 
Ben Simmons, Maxi, plus maybe two or three picks down the line. And I think what it came down to was Philadelphia was saying Ben Simmons plus, um, uh, was it Thibault and maybe a pick, uh, pick or two less than what the Houston Rockets were asking for. So I think they were on the finish line there. You know, it's really kind of on the edges. I think they would have reconciled at something. But I, I think it is a big play that the owner stepped in and was like, look, I just – we just let go of Darren Morey. This kind of like, you know, someone left and they're basically just pulling all the resources from him. PR wise, that's just, just not a great look, especially if, can you imagine if James Harden goes to the Sixers, ends up getting the championship, you see Darren Morey and James Harden uh, hoist the trophies. And, and it's kind of like that meme with the Wolverine where you got the <laughs> sitting in the bed and you got yep. the you know, James Harden <laughs> on the Rockets with Darren Morey. Yeah, I, I think that does play. And I think personalities do pick it, put are, are pretty big in terms of these owners and how these teams are run because really, you know, who's paying the checks, who's really, you know, taking on responsibility of the team. It's, it's going to be end up uh, at the owner's level. And, and let's not forget these owners are, you know, they're, they're about themselves, right? The, it's never really a, an investment in terms of, you know, getting, sporting teams right it's more of a flex to other people saying i am of the select 100 or so people who can say i own a team um so i think personalities are a big play in there and i think the i would say like if i could break down percentages i would say it was maybe 30 percent um likely that harden was going to get traded to the sixers maybe plus or minus a couple percentage points but um, they were definitely in the contending, but I think the final deal breaker was, was the owner. Sure. Uh, I'm with you there. Um, like, obviously there's not a single factor that makes Houston lean one way or the other, but you know, like you said, a combination of a couple of things, it probably was just like, you know what, let's just, let's just take this Brooklyn deal. Um, and talking about a combination of factors, it seemed to me as though, like, I don't know how, I don't know how much of the Kyrie potential extended absence played a role in Brooklyn all of a sudden needing kind of having a sense of urgency because you know like just a couple of weeks ago everything seemed good all handy dandy in Brooklyn right um so that's certainly an interesting component but I want to talk more about now kind of now that the trade's gone through um Indiana and Cleveland were part of the trade but I I don't want to focus too much on them because I think Indiana it's pretty simple you swap Oladipo for Levert Levert's out now but Indiana's you know, they're, they're a solid team. And then Cleveland, um, they get a nice young piece in Jared Allen. I want to talk about kind of the three teams that we just talked about, the Nets, the Rockets, and and the, the Sixers who didn't take the deal or who didn't get a deal done. So let's starting with your Rockets. Like, what what is what is kind of your first reaction with regards to what direction this team is headed in? Are they kind of throwing away the season? Or are they still trying to remain competitive? Because Oladipo is a solid player. Yeah, I mean, it could really go both ways, and it really depends on how the team looks after a couple of games. Because you got to imagine they're right now what four and seven, you know, at the bottom of the uh, of the of the Western Conference standings, uh, and their pick is currently top four protected. So if they could go either ways, and I think that's good in terms of flexibility. You have to see what's what how the team is moving. Uh, I can see them either you know, performing well, and maybe they're pushing for some playoff spots or maybe if they're just floundering and, and then you can really pawn off a couple pieces, right? The, you know, PJ Tucker is on expiring. You can pawn that off. Even Victor Oladipo, if he shows some promise, he's on expiring. You can pawn that off for 
you know, another first round uh, draft pick, hopefully. Uh, even players like Eric Gordon, if he, you know, everyone's looking for good shooting, everyone's looking for secondary creators come playoff time. Uh, and this this really reminds me, I'm not sure if you remember, like the 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 era between the Yao Ming, Tracy McGrady and the James Harden era, right? Where Rockets actually had a couple of very promising pieces. Although it was, again, they didn't really have that superstar foundational, you know, player in their system. They had a bunch of good players like, Kevin Martin came through, a young Goran Dragic, a young Kyle Lowry, Luis Scola. And I remember rooting for those teams even more because it was just, they were such a scrappy team where, you know, you, you, were, you were cheering for players that weren't, you know, contending superstars in every game was a very like, I really hope they win. Whereas before, you know, James Harden and Chris Paul and even James Harden and Westbrook, it was just, you came into every game expecting you'll get the win, right? Yeah, wow, that was that was uh some some quite quite a few name drops, dude. I hadn't haven't heard of Skola in years, dude. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you forget a bunch. Of, Rockets had good uh, player development. They always seem to find you know gems in terms of solid players. But they yeah. again, they took a lot of swings in in the drafts to find that find that foundational piece. And luckily, they were able to swing that deal for for the James Harden, which really sent ripples through through the league. Since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, there's still a totally blank canvas. The good thing is that they can really – they do have the flexibility to truly go either way because it's not like – like, Gordon is an asset that, that can still be maneuvered if you want to kind of, you know, bottom out. As same deal with Oladipo. But if you want to be competitive, like, it's not like – I mean, there, I look at I look at the, the – what, the one to seven on the Rockets and, like, they're all not bad. So like, you know, I, I'm with you. It could be a potentially scrappy team that maybe contends for like the playing spot. Right. But so I, I want to move, I want to move to, it's crazy. We're talking about James Harden, James Harden, this, and we haven't even talked about where he's going. And that's obviously the Brooklyn Nets. Um, as someone who watched a lot of James Harden, um, I'm curious, like, what do you think of the Nets now with regards to their yeah, I'm just curious to hear about how you feel about the Nets now that they've essentially given up their depth for top-end talent. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll say this uh, as every single time the Rockets seem to get a, another big-time star like Chris Paul and and Russell Westbrook and maybe some of their depth is, is lost. It's really just, you know, your ceiling is so much higher because you've got two players that can really just flip an entire game and just basically – you know, in 2K when they go red hot and just basically take over, right? And, and there's nothing you can do to stop. Like, that, that's something I think I will have to learn to realize as a Rockets fan, that there's no player on the team that can just get really hot and single-handedly flip a game for you. Um, I think it, it's a work in progress. I, I think the first game that they that I saw with Harden and Kevin Durant was the game against uh, Orlando. And it was a lot of highlights, man. It seems like Jaden Harden hasn't uh, missed a step. And it was really interesting because I, I, was, I was thinking, like, you know, it is, it is very hard to readjust to a different team, especially if you spend so long in a different team structure. Uh, and to see him just immediately come out and drop a 30-point triple-double, albeit, again, because of the depth, a lot lack of depth, per se, um, a lot is expected out of him. But I think you need to give it more time because, again, you know, you can't really take the temperature of, oh, this is a tighter contender sure. against, you know, no offense to Orlando. That's not – that's not – like a, a good enough sample size to see how, uh, how they play. And it would be really interesting to see how they match up against some of the big time um, 
teams where their their best players are front court players, right? Like love to see them on a matchup against the Bucks to see you know how do they contend with Giannis or uh, if they have a game scheduled with the Lakers and what, what answers they have for Anthony Davis. So it's really going to have to be dependent on what's going to be left over in the buyout market, whether or not again I, I'm not even sure if they can swing another deal, but just to see who can they add to the front court to at least keep them you know, balance in terms of the team, right? That's not to say I don't think they're definitely within, you know, the couple handful of teams that you would say I could see them definitely win a, a championship. Um, but I, I need to give it a couple more games just to kind of feel out what that team is like. And also figure out the Kyrie situation. Like, again, you, you just had one game where you have two out of the three pieces. It's kind of like if you're watching Avengers, it's like, okay, well, I want to see all the stones in the, in the, in the gun thing and, and see, i want to see that right i don't I, it's, it's already pretty strong without it with like two or three stones but like i want to see all all five and then see the snap right so yeah uh, it's, 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 it's more it's of a six way. stones by the way oh six stones six. exactly right right, right. <laughs> now nah, i'm just giving i'm just giving you a tough time but um yeah i, I agree with you um I'm, I'm glad you brought up the point about teams with good front court players right because that was a thought that i had before I'm with you. I'm not making any conclusions off of the one game that they played against Orlando. Um, one question immediately when, when I saw the trade, like you, I thought, okay, my bigger question mark now is on the defensive end, specifically with regards to front court players, right? So I'll just throw this out here, and, I'll, and I'm curious for what you think. I'm not too worried if the Nets and the Clippers play in a seven-game series, but if the Lakers play, if the Lakers play the Nets – what what are you doing? What are you doing to guard AD and LeBron? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the it's really unfortunate. I think the best defender is is going to be KD, and you got to remember, like we forget, he's coming off an Achilles tear. Yeah. Right? So to to tell them, hey, you're now going to be, you know, the person who's expected to score a lot again. You you got help from James Harden and Kyrie, but also take on the next uh, the best player on the opposite side, which to be honest based on Kevin Durant's personality, I think this is what he wanted, right? Sure. A lot of people say, well, why did he run away from one super team with the Warriors to another super team in, in Brooklyn? And I think the difference is he, this is from the inception, it's his team, right? He was the one orchestrating, kind of putting things together. With Golden State, it was, again, the most popular player was not Kevin Durant, it was Steph Curry. You know, you, I, I think that does play a, an impact on Again, these are NBA players. I don't think it should be wrong that they have egos. But again, you want to think about your legacy. You're one of the all-time greats. You want to re be remembered, you know, celebrating championships, but celebrating as in, you know, you point to this person saying this was the best player on the team. So maybe I think that was one of the reasons why he wanted to leave Golden State and kind of start his own team, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think... I think one of the one of the one of the interesting things is you don't need a lot of front court depth again if you're thinking about how you play against other big teams and how you defend you know LeBron and AD you don't need molt, like you don't need a lot of pieces you just need one guy right I think the game that it is shaped now in the NBA is really just you need four wings and a big right like not too complicated yeah. I, I I can attest to this when watching the Rockets go small ball last season where it was like you got five wings and caused a lot of problems because you were just getting wrecked on the, on the offensive uh, offensive glass, defensive glass and stuff. So really, I I just think the, the Nets need to get one guy and it, it could be a makeshift version of maybe Jeff Green, but 
you need maybe someone a little bit more solid than that at the five position. And it certainly is not DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, shout out to him. Definitely kind of keep getting them checks type of, uh, you know, <laughs> of his career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say like, you're playing him for 20 minutes and then you're playing another 20 so minutes of Jeff Green. Um, I would like to see a little more front court help. And I don't think this is going to happen just because, the team, the just knowing how this GM operates, but honestly, I, I think Al Horford would be a nice addition to the Nets if he's available on the buyout market. Now, granted, I don't think Presti would just waive him for no reason. Um, I think knowing Presti, he's probably going to try to milk a pick or so, and then once you're trading him, there's no way the Nets can fit that on their payroll unless they give up DeAndre, uh, who is homies with Katie and Kyrie. Uh, so th- that said, though, I-, I feel like an Al Horford type where it's like you don't need a star in the front court. You just need a dude who can, like, hold it down a little bit, a little bit more than DeAndre uh, and-, and Jeff Green. What do you think? Yeah, I'm trying to look at a couple of options, and <laughs> to be honest, I don't they might have to go back to the well of ask went to Cleveland because Cleveland's just got a bunch of front court players and don't know Drummond, what they're yeah. doing with them. Uh, it's really, un- yeah, it's really unfortunate that they had to put you know Jared Allen as part of the deal. And of course, you know if that's the last thing to to move to get James Harden, then I would take it. But um, looking for bigs, looking at firing, we can package a couple of second round picks or something like that. You know what's remaining in your in your very you know empty treasure chest of future assets. Um, that's what I would look for. But I think the Al Horford's a good option, but I just don't think the contracts it's not gonna, uh, yeah. match up. Or I... Yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead. So, I mean, I, I think we'll have to see how it plays out. One of the other reasons to, to go back to why the deal happened was if you look at the records, um, the the Nets were, were not like – you know, top of the rankings in terms of standings, right? Their, their record was pretty much 500 when they made the deal. So um, they have a lot to figure out, but I'm very optimistic that they will figure out because, again, a lot of these teams that end up beating are really defined by your top two, top three players. And I would contend that the, the Brooklyn Nets, save for maybe the Lakers, have the best top two players. Maybe the Clippers, but um, they're, they're certainly up there. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking around. I mean, I saw that the Nets were trying to include Shamit in the deal and that the Houston didn't want Shamit. And he's been pretty bad this year, but um, I feel like he's a piece that he, they could maybe move for a little bit of front court help. Granted, you're not going to get like a crate, like you're not getting, you're not getting any defensive stopper, like an AD stopper anywhere on the market, especially not if you're giving up Shaman. But I, I do feel like there's, like you said, there's a little bit of room on the bio market slash potentially one more trade. Like, I, I guess to say, I say that to say, um, Brooklyn's probably, this is probably not the final version of Brooklyn that we're going to see going forward. Yeah, I mean, like you can, you can look at players like, you know, a Paul Mills. Sap, right he's on expiring maybe again I'm not sure how how much the the nuggets are, are are trying to contend but I think if they're trying to put up Porter uh up on a position then maybe Paul Millsap's the the odd man out so there there are options uh out there for for them to pick up and especially if you know teams are going to try to shed contracts later down the line uh now that playoff seedings is is really shaking out although 
the, the extra team could mean that a lot more teams are going to have to like sell themselves as, as contenders rather than they're just tanking or, sure. uh, you know, this future, this, this season's more of a wash. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I'm definitely really excited to see the, this three headed monster in Brooklyn on, especially on the offensive end. Um, I, I don't, I can't quite remember a, a big three that is this, that has this much offensive firepower um, to be honest, but, um, it'll be exciting to watch for sure. Um, moving on to the kind of the last team that I mentioned, the team that didn't do the deal, and that was the Sixers. Um, how do you think – do you think uh, – I'll give you a – and I don't mean to frame this question in a biased way, but do you think the Sixers are actually better off by not doing the James Harden deal? No, I, I think they do need to make the James Harden deal, especially if you're thinking about this season. Um, it's just – at the end of the day, imagining a, a lineup or finishing lineup with Ben Simmons and Embiid, there's just too much weirdness going on to have them coexist. Um, them single, like if you take them individually, great, fantastic players. It's just when you put them together, things get a bit cramped in terms of, you know, they're very ball dominant. Their play styles are really just not that complementary enough that I think they – they, they will succeed. I, not to say that I don't think I could see a situation where they win the championship. I think it's just, there will be a lot of questions about how does this best fit in. And uh, I think that's, that's going to be a lot of strain and stress on Doc Rivers. Uh, and again, like he's a great coach, but again, in playoffs, how, what's his track record and a lot of the memories still fresh about his collapse in terms of what happened with the Clippers, uh, what, what, what happened um, in his previous teams, you know, with, with Chris Paul, uh, and then later on with the, the Kawhi Leonard and Paul George teams, right? So it's it's yet to be known, but I think they're, if you're saying would they be better with, you know, Ben Simmons and Embiid as their centerpiece versus James Harden and Embiid, you, you know, you ask 10 people, you know, 10 people are going to say, I'd rather have James Harden and, and Joel Embiid. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I wonder – Aside from the weirdness that you alluded to, which I certainly agree with, though Daryl Morey did address that a little bit, I do wonder if it, it'll rub off some type of way that Simmons on Simmons, where I, I bet you kind of like you were, I mean, you know, it's like you said, it's no secret. These guys, you know, they they can have a little bit of an ego and not, not, not in a bad way, but, you know, Ben Simmons believes in himself, right? And I wonder if maybe it alienate, it's a little alienating when he hears his name dangled in these trade rumors and he's like, hang on, like, why is Joel the untouchable piece uh, that's, you know, not moving? And, you know, so I, I, yeah, I, I do wonder. That's another if, angle. Know. That's another angle that I think is very interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm actually more recently been interested in understanding the psychology of these sports and how, you know, we, it, it, it's very easy to boil down to things as the analytics where these players are just chess pieces and you're moving them around and they should, they should behave in and interact with teammates in a certain way based on the numbers that they have. But I think there is a bit of a psychological play that um, not to just rail on Darren Morey because he was a fantastic GM, but I think there was one missing piece in terms of how he constructed teams. There was just so much turnover and everyone was constantly in the threat of being traded that I think it really did weigh down on, on a bunch of players. And I think one of the big reasons where we saw whenever they acquired players and they didn't really perform amazing immediately, or, you know, they would be on short-term things and then leave and then, you know, perform better. I think it, there is a psychological thing with 
with the way that Darren Morty constructs his teams that analytically it's all seems like it should fit in, but, you know, in the players' minds, they're thinking about, well, like how safe is my job? I was recently in trade rivers or I have no really idea whether or not my future is with the team. I don't really have a lot of loyalty and, and, you know, that I'm, I'm wanted here or more just like, I'm not really a person in this whole system and just another clog in the machine. And I think that really affects player performance. Right. And it's yeah. not one of those things where they, they can immediately shift their reality, right? It's just something in the back of your mind. You know, you can't really, as much as you want to try to control your thinking and control like a, a guy in the here and now, it's going to be lingering in the back of your mind. And as a, such a, you know, intense level of sport where there's a combination of athleticism and, and precision and, and finesse and skill, um, I think it does weigh on, weigh on the players. Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, that was... <laughs> That was that was a interesting interesting deep dive from you, um, with, but yeah, I mean, I certainly agree with you. Like, you know, that if anything, that if there was anything you wanted, you could knock Daryl Morey for. Quite frankly, during his tenure in Houston, it was what you just alluded to, which was strictly just looking at kind of the analytics without ever thinking like, like you said, you know, those external kind of whether it was a psych, kind of psychological or, or kind of motivational type th- uh, factors. Um, so that's certainly. I, I certainly, uh, certainly agree with you there. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, Simmons and Embiid kind of. We'll see how that, how the, you know, having Simmons and trade rumors, how that, if that impacts the team, if at all. But um, one last thing before we wrap up, I just had an idea, just uh, that popped into mind. I don't know how exactly how the how the money's gonna work, but you mentioned like a Paul Millsap, right? And I mentioned Landry Shamit being terrible so far in Brooklyn. Uh, and Philadelphia always is looking for, to surround Simmons and Embiid with shooters. So that made me think, who coached, who was, who was decent in Philadelphia, then got traded to the Clippers, and then played well under Doc Rivers that I just mentioned? Ooh, um, it's not it's not Jermichael Green. Is Jermichael Green on that team or no? He's, no, he's I on the nu- well. He's on the Nuggets, but I'm talking. I'm talking Landry Shamit, drafted by the Sixers, traded oh, to the Clippers. Okay. Yep, played well under Doc Rivers. Now in Brooklyn, and obviously the Nets are kind of trying to are more than happy to move him. Right? Is there? A, I'm just floating this out there. Just floating this out there. Is there a three three team deal where Shamit goes to Philly? Someone on Philly goes to Denver, and then Millsap goes to Brooklyn. Yeah, that that seems promising. Um, although I think it's just very interesting to see why I would Philadelphia try to trade and help out another contender. Yeah. So you really got to consider, like, it all makes sense. This all this all works out, but it's again the psychology of like I don't really want to help a team that I'm a team in with. your so division. I, what I'm what I'm thinking. Exactly. What, I, what I'm thinking more is like uh, probably you got to look at some of the lower teams in terms of teams that are a bit lower in the, um, in the standing. So I'm looking yeah. at like the New York Knicks of like what are, what are some players on that team that maybe could get shipped off. And, you know, they have, they have some solid players like maybe you get a, a, a Taj Gibson or something yeah. or, or like um, maybe a Nerlens Noel possibly. Like no. that could be pretty useful. I forgot about Nerlens. <laughs> Forgot about right. He was, he was in a previous life. You know, he was he was worth top dollar. Um, yeah. but he, he just kind of bet on himself in a, in the wrong way. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm saying look at the Knicks. Look at you know what are other teams that are in the, in the bottom of the 
Kings, maybe take a look at Sacramento Kings. They have a bunch of front court players. Um, or, or, you know, again, it's still very Pistons, early. Where Pistons. It's out of, what, 70 games? Pistons. Yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. for sure the Pistons. Um, so just kind of see what, what, what what's out there uh, as more teams fall out of playoff contention or more. It's more of a race to the bottom rather yep. than a race to the top. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I'll, I'll definitely be sending you a bunch of fake trades <laughs> the coming weeks to, to see how – to see uh, how the Nets can improve. But um, appreciate you coming on, Jason. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, and obviously we'll talk soon. And um, to the listeners, uh, thank you for listening. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe on whatever medium you're listening to this on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or YouTube. Uh, Once again, thanks for listening.